the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. If you have your Bibles with you, Kettering, and you should, I want to invite your attention to Daniel chapter 3. We'll look at verse 1 and then begin at 10 and following Daniel chapter 3. Once you find it, let us know you're there by saying amen. Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Verse 10. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and the symphony of all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship the, uh, shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These Men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? Who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor Will we worship the gold image which you have set up? Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and uh, the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, 
their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fiery furnace? And he answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no effect. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of the fire was not on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Amen. Would you pray with me, Father in heaven, we honor you and bless you on this day. We need your clarity of thought and speech that you might declare a word in the midst of these, your people, that would cause someone who doesn't know you to surrender their life to you, that their eternity today might be changed. We pray, eternal God, that you would give this word in such a way that those who have drifted in their fellowship, God, that they may be drawn closer to you, that they might restore the broken fellowship and they might understand and, and know that they need you. I pray you would draw them to yourself, God. I pray for that one who's struggling and wrestling, who came in frustrated today, who came in need of encouragement. God, speak to their hearts today. Lead them, guide them, give them wisdom, give them understanding, God. Give them what they stand in need of today. Edify this body. But God, more importantly, it is my prayer that you glorify yourself, that your name would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, for you are a magnificent God. And we pray, eternal God, that you would just have your way. I am your vessel, surrendered to you. Use me, God. Allow me the strength I need, the clarity of thought and speech I need to exercise this process in a way that you would get glory and honor out of it. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and I thank you. Amen. We started a journey series of messages last Sunday entitled Walking Through Hell. We began in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, looked at that passage. I spoke from the idea, walking through hell with the word. One of the things we learned from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 is if you're going to walk through hell, you need to have the word of God with you. God spoke to Joshua after the death of Moses and spoke and said to Joshua, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead, but I'm going to give you instructions that are going to allow you to walk through the enemy's territory in order that you might accomplish what I've set forward to be accomplished, that you might inherit the land that I've prepared for these people. But he says to Joshua, he gives them three instructions, and we drew from that last week. If we're going to walk through hell, you've got to keep 
the word of God in your mouth. And so he encouraged Joshua, Joshua, keep this word in your mouth. Hold it there. Keep it there. Let that be what flows from your lips. Let that be what you talk about. Let that be what you teach. Let that be what you speak. We talked even on that subject matter to help you understand in order to keep it in your mouth, it has to first be in your heart. And so we secondly found that God said to Joshua, Joshua, take this word and meditate on it. Chew it up. Take all of the ingredients out of it that are going to be essential nourishment for your body, nutrients that will be sufficient to sustain you on this journey as you walk through hell. Meditate in it, not on it. Don't just skim the surface, but get in it, Joshua. You get in the word and then the word will get in you. Meditate in it, and Joshua, and then you'll find that the word will give you strength as you walk through your hell. Finally, he says to Joshua, Joshua, do it. Don't just read the word. Don't just meditate on the word. Don't just have it in your mouth, Joshua, but do what the word says do. If we're going to be able to be successful walking through hell, we've got to do what the word tells us to do. Now, I would suggest that probably most of you here have been through some kind of hell situation. And maybe even this morning, you may be still there. You may be walking through a hell situation on your job. You may be a hell situation on your, in your health, in your family. Who knows how these things come about, but nevertheless, I think we can understand the idea and the concept of walking through hell. I mean, it's like coming at you every which way. It's coming from the right and coming from the left and coming from the back and coming from the front. And it seems like there's no escape from the trouble that comes in your life. And it just seems like God is trying to destroy you. No, it's not. He's not trying to. He's not trying to destroy you. I would want to encourage you on today. God is working something out in your life and in you and through you, even in the midst of all the trouble that you go through. Anybody ever walk through hell? Amen. Praise God. I just want to make sure I had an audience to preach to this morning because if nobody didn't, never been there and nobody wasn't there this morning, wasn't no need me preaching this sermon, I might as well just close the book and, and give the invitation and go on home. But since I do have a few folk who have walked through hell, and maybe you're walking through it this morning. And let me talk to the other folks that haven't been there. Just keep on living. Let me just say it that way. You just keep on living because if you haven't been through some hell, it's coming your way. Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself walking through and living through some circumstances that are going to press you and push you to your Christian end. Lord have mercy. I don't know if anybody ever been there before, but hell walks will push you to a place where you want to lay down your sanctified religion and deal with it from a BC perspective before Christ. But this life that we live has a way of introducing us and bringing us into some hellacious times and seasons and walks. And so in this particular text, these three Hebrew boys, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their real names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Ananiah. And so these boys will find themselves walking through hell, but the good news in their situation is that they've got good company while they're walking. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're going somewhere or go, have to go somewhere and, and it's an undesirable place to go, 
What at least makes the journey a little more bearable is if you got good company with you. I mean, if, if you've got to walk through hell and you've got somebody that's, that's a hellion with you, that ain't no fun. I mean, if you've got to go through some bad times and you've got a negative person just yap, yap, yapping in your ear and they're not helping you, they're just beating you down and making it worse. Who wants company like that? No, no, no. If I'm going to walk through hell, can I get some, at least some good company to walk with me through hell? If I'm going to go to a place I really don't want to go, can I at least get somebody to go with me that will make the journey sweeter? Lord, have mercy. And so in this text, we see that these three boys have some good company in their walk through hell. I want to talk on today in the second part of the series of the message from the subject matter, walking through hell with good company. I want to start as we examine this text, looking at the cause of the journey through hell. What was the cause of these three boys' journey through hell? And one of the reasons why I think it's a good place to start is because most often when people find themselves in a difficult place in life, when they're dealing with hell all around them, hell on their job, hell in their family, hell in their health, hell in their community, hell everywhere they go. We have a tendency to start examining, how did I get here? And we start to introvert and we begin to say to ourselves, I must have done something wrong that God would cause and allow all this bad stuff to come my way. We suffer from the bad theology of Job's friends that said that the only reason why you would have something bad happening to you is because you did something bad. And so we suffer from that. And so when, when things happen and we find ourselves in bad places in walking through hell, we want to know why am I here? What caused me to be here? And so I think this text will help you in the process of trying to understand how you got where you are. In this particular text, the cause for these three boys finding themselves walking through hell is connected to their commitment. Are y'all still here with me? So in other words, they have to walk through hell because of their commitment. First of all, they're walking through hell because of their commitment to God. Watch this. I need you to understand something because even as I looked into this text, I found out, and this is true, their commitment to God caused them, first of all, to get promoted in the middle of being captives in Babylon. Here they were, captives in Babylon, part of a nation that Babylon had conquered and part of those who should be slaves, but yet because of their commitment to God, God saw fit to promote them to being leaders, watch this, in a land they wasn't even supposed to be in. How are you going to be a leader in the place you're supposed to be a prisoner? That only happens by the favor of God. So here are these three boys who've been promoted to leadership in Babylon, and they're being blessed by God. They're being favored by God, and all of that because of their commitment. They were committed to God. For when they brought them into Babylon, the king said, feed these servants the king's food and give them the king's wine. And it was 
the three Hebrew boys and Daniel that said, we're not going to eat the king's food and we ain't drinking the king's wine. No, we'll eat our pulse and we'll drink our water, but we're not eating his food and we're not drinking his wine. And then they went and they allowed them to do that. And after a few days went by, they examined them and they found out that these boys were healthier plumper, thicker than the others who were eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine. Not only that, but they were more skilled in learning the Babylonian language and teaching and understanding the ways that they were supposed to be learning. And so as a result of their commitment to God, watch this, they get promoted. But it's the same commitment to God that caused them to be promoted that causes them now to be standing before Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 verse 15 where Nebuchadnezzar says to them, y'all not going to bow down to my God that I made? They say to Nebuchadnezzar, no. I like the way the text plays out. Just bear with me for a moment. Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, I heard y'all wasn't bowing down. This is my version of the story. I mean, I promoted y'all. Y'all, y'all my men. And I put the statue up, and y'all heard the horns, the, the flute, the lark, the lute, and all that. Y'all heard the symphony of music. You didn't buy it. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear it, go ahead and bow down. And if you go ahead and bow down, everything's good. But if you don't bow down, and worship this God I've put up, then I'm going to throw y'all into the midst of the fiery furnace. It's there in chapter 3, verse 15, I believe it is, somewhere around there. And so their commitment to God got them in this place where they're getting ready to be put into a fiery furnace. Not only the cause of them walking through hell comes from their commitment to God, but it also comes from their commitment to monotheistic worship. Y'all still here? Pastor, what is monotheistic worship? It is when you have made up in your mind, I'm only worshiping one God. Mono means one. Theism is God. Monotheistic worship. I only worship one God. We're not going to worship Baal and Jesus. No. We're not going to worship some golden calf and Jesus. No. We're only going to worship one God. Our hearts are set on giving all of our adoration, all of our praise, all of the glory belongs to him. We're not going to split and splice it with somebody else. We're not uh, We're not those that worship uh, Buddha and Muhammad. No, we don't worship Muhammad and Jesus. No, we only worship the one true and the living God. They had committed their life. They had committed themselves to monotheistic worship. And then when the king comes to them and challenges them on that, they say, look, look here, king. We don't even need to answer you on that. After he gave them a chance, I'm going to give y'all a chance. Y'all go ahead and worship. He said, no, we ain't. No, we're not going to answer because we only worship one God. We, we're not going to worship your gods. Let me, let me read this for you. It was somewhere around verse 16, 15, somewhere around there. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to the king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, you're going to throw us in the fire. Don't worry about it. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known... Even if our God doesn't do that, I want you to know something, king. Let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. 
Lord have mercy. I, I, I love their commitment to that monotheistic worship and they've committed themselves only to the worship of one God. I wish that even in the church that we could get more people that were committed to only worshiping one God. Y'all, y'all don't hear me. I wish I could get just a few more people a little by little that are coming to church on a regular basis that they would only worship Jesus, Lord have mercy. We've got folk in the house of God that worship Jesus and money. Y'all getting quiet on me. They worship Jesus and the club. They worship Jesus and secular music. See, more than just Jesus is getting your adoration, some folk are worshiping Jesus and their house, Jesus and their car, Jesus and their job, Jesus and their children, and they're ascribing all of the worth that only belongs to God to other people and other things. We've got to get to the place that we realize that nobody has done anything for you but the Lord, and if it had not been for the Lord who was, Lord have mercy, on your side, where would you be? Your car don't need no worship. It don't need staying home waxing your car. You need to give your worship to God. Because I guarantee you this. When you're on the beltway and your car shuts off. While you're doing 65 miles an hour. I guarantee you this. You won't say Lexus God. Help me. You won't say Mercedes God, help me. Toyota God, help me. Acura God, help me. No, you're going to say Jesus. One God. And so their commitment to one God gets them in this place. It's their commitment to God that gets them there. Last thing, it's also their commitment to faith that gets them on this journey into hell, towards hell or through hell. They say to the king, king, we're not going to do what you say, but listen to their faith. Their faith is such that they say, our God is going to deliver us. Go ahead, throw us in the fire. I mean, this is big faith right here. Our God is going to deliver us. And sure enough, going to deliver us out of your hand. He'll deliver us out of fire. He's going to deliver us out of your hand. Listen to their faith. And watch this. And even if he doesn't, we still ain't worshiping your God. We still committed to that. Now watch this. That's what got them on this journey through hell. It wasn't that they did anything wrong. It was their commitment that got them there. Now, now let me move on. Let me move on. So we've seen the cause of their journey through hell. And, and watch this. I want to secondly look at the conditions of the journey through hell. Their confidence causes their condition as they walk through hell to be worse. Y'all heard what they just said? They just talked. Back to the king with confidence. They said to the king, we ain't doing it. And our confidence level is such that our God is going to deliver us from your hand. Their confidence in God is that he won't leave us here. And so even if you throw us in the fire, we coming out of that. So their confidence... Um, causes their condition to change. Watch this. Because as you keep reading in the text, if you get down to verse 16, 
it says, after you get through what they said, and, and after they get all the way down to verse 19, watch what happens. After they spoke out to the king, after they spoke with confidence to the king, after they demonstrated, we trust our God. Listen to what happens in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shachrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Got a changed expression. And he spoke and he commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. I'm thinking through this text and I'm thinking if I'm going to walk through hell, at least can it be a cool hell? Y'all still here? Anybody? I mean, if we're going to walk through hell, I mean, does it have to be 4,500 degrees? Can you lower it to 3,500? I mean, it's going to be hot, but at least a little less hot would be better than more hot. Are y'all still here? But, but, but as they walk through this hell journey, their confidence causes the conditions that they're going to have to deal with, watch this, to be hotter and more severe than it would have been. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.